the following episode of a Cinema Recall, I would say, is rated PG to PG-13, which means that it is acceptable for all listeners, but parental guidance is still suggested, especially when listening to me. Alright, enjoy. And welcome to another episode of the Cinema Recall Podcast. My name is The Fern, and on today's show, I am joined by his new special guest, a wonderful YouTuber, and I'm going to mess up his last name, and I apologize <laughs> about that. I'm with uh, Mike Distasio. Uh, Correct. Holy Holy shit. Was, you got it, my man. Whoa, that's never <laughs> happened before. Uh, now, Mike is the owner of uh, The Hollywood Kid, and you can find him on YouTube channel, and I gotta say, um, I just subscribed to your channel, and you have, like, a whole slew of really great topics on there, you know, you talked about the, the Black Dahlia, and Superman, and you even have an interview with actor Michael Madsen. Incredible stuff. Mike, please tell our listeners all about your show and everything about you. Well, Vern, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, we've been doing this for about almost six years now. We've had a podcast. Um, we're trying to get it going even more further, getting some notoriety. That's why I appreciate you having me on. Uh, we just launched our YouTube channel about but maybe two weeks ago. We got the Michael Madsen interview up there. We have the Black Dahlia uh, we have the Brinks job, which happened right here in Boston, 9th, January 1950. And we also have the um, – there's another one up there. It escapes me right now, but I'll get it. But there's only four up there for right now, but we're in a, we have over 100 to get up there. And you know you know how YouTube works. It's a little time-consuming, and uh, I'm not the tech, most technical guy in the world, to be honest with you. So my producer usually tries to upload one or two a week. But we have interviews to put up there from uh, – Larry King, we had Larry King on the show, Michael Madsen, obviously, we had Billy Duke a couple weeks ago, uh, Connie Stevens, uh, Yafet Koda, I interviewed George Hamilton, and uh, this is what I do, I'm a big movie geek, uh, so, you know, I basically started my podcast almost six years ago in June, uh, just walked into an old radio station that the building looked like it should have been condemned, literally, and um, I walked in, I met a gentleman, I said, what, what do you guys do here, and he said, well, we're a radio station, Howard Stern, who had his first job here in radio when he was an intern at Boston University. Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty fascinating story. And um, and I, just for a conversation starter, Vern, I asked the gentleman, I says, well, can I have a show? Can I do a show? I was just kidding. Kidding all, you know, 100%. Just to start a conversation, he says, well, what do you do? I said, well, my nickname is The Hollywood Kid because when I was a little kid, all my friends would get stumped on movie lines and actors' names, and I would be there right there rattling the names off. And they said, after a while, they just said, ask Mike. He's the Hollywood kid. He knows everything about movies. And so I told him my story, and he says, well, put something together, and we'll, we'll try to put some, we'll, you know, try to get it, get it going. And I thought I needed FCC licensing and thousands and thousands of dollars in training. But um, now we went in there. We uh, put a couple shows together. My first bit, celebrity guest was Robert Davi from The Goonies. Oh, my yeah, that- God. Wow, what a cool thing, because, Mike, uh, we were talking about Robert Davi 
on a previous episode um, with uh, Ashley Brunell and Ryan L. Terry talking about Showgirls. Oh, wow. And his performance yes. in that movie. So I definitely got to find that interview with Robert Davi and, uh, you know, post the links on social media accounts because that is amazing. I, I definitely got to check that out. Um, yeah, we got, I got to find it myself, to be honest with you. I got so many that we – it's just a long story. To, 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 you know, we got them downloaded. We're just going to – we're in the process of, like, digging them all out now and because there's so many. And, I mean, Ed Asner, Piper Laurie, Loretta Swit, John, Johnny Russo. But it's just a lot of fun for me. It's a, it's a labor of love like yourself. And um, so what I do, it's just a little hobby, and it's, it continues to grow. I love that, man. You know, I, I definitely want to you know, get more into you know how you were able to – find these guests and book them i mean that's the most difficult part i have with doing a podcast is trying to like schedule people on and find the right time to meet with them and talk with them and especially if we're getting big name people on there yeah last week i think it was my 253rd interview uh so we're 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 moving right along as an old bookie of mine used to say (laughs) well shit uh, yeah, I had Jerry Mathers, Tony Dow, Anson Williams, Marion Rowe. I can help you out. If you need any help, you can let me know off the air. Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, you're going to be like a huge help for our show being on this episode. So thank you very much. Um, tell our listeners, you know, where they can find you on the social media. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Mike D'Astasio. That's uh, D-I-S-T-A-S-I-O. Just, you can Google search The Hollywood Kid or Real Talk with The Hollywood Kid, R-E-E-L, uh, Real Talk with The Hollywood Kid. A lot of my stuff should come up. Uh, like I said, my big thing right now is launching the uh, YouTube channel, and um, that's at Real Talk with. you got to spell out with, W no backslash, uh, Real Talk with The Hollywood Kid. And I re- really appreciate it if a lot of your listeners, a lot of your fans just go there and subscribe to my channel because, like I said, throughout the course of the next couple of weeks, we're going to be really uploading a lot of a lot of our past interviews and um, and it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work as well, but it, it's fun work. Exactly, that's what you want to do. You want to do work that seems like work, but it's also a hell of a lot of fun. And I love your passion. I love your drive. Now, as you can probably tell from this episode, if you clicked on the show title, we are talking about Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman, and we're talking about uh, the original one. Uh, that came out in 1958. Uh, but before we get into Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, as well as some of our favorite moments of that movie, we're going to take a small little break and play some ads from some amazing podcasts that you should check out. So we'll be back. We'll return after these messages. Good morning, fellow horror fans. My name is Gracie. And I'm Abby. And we're the hosts of the podcast, Good Morning, Nancy. That's morning with an O-U. Want to listen to a horror movie podcast from the female perspective? Then check out our show. Not only do we discuss our favorite horror films and why we love them, but we also point out any representation in the film. All while drinking a nice cup of coffee. We've got episodes on Beetlejuice, The Thing, Prom Night, Saw, Frankenstein, Jaws. There's something for everyone. So go to Good Morning, Nancy nancy.com and have a listen won't you remember that's morning with an o-u that's m-o-u-r-n-i-n-g good morning nancy.com we love you all to death have a great morning goodbye hey listeners matt here from the parkway theater podcast if you are looking for another place for great conversations about the best classic movies and cult hits from the 1980s and 1990s 
then you need to check out the Parkway Theater Podcast. Even better, if you are local to the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, then after you listen to each episode, you can come on down to the theater and watch the movie on the big screen. We often have contests, prizes, or just silly little games we play on air that make us laugh, and we think you'll enjoy it too. So please subscribe to Parkway Theater Podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you at the movies. Once a normal, voluptuously beautiful woman, she drove into a nightmare of horror and saw descending from the sky a titanic monster whose fearsome touch became a frightful curse. You think I'm drunk, don't you? All of you! I'm not drunk! I'm not! You've got to believe me! Please. It was right in the middle of the highway, 30 feet tall! Once she's in the booby hatch, Throw the key away. That'll put you in the driver's seat. You'd make a wild driver, Harry. With 50 million bucks. What she saw was beyond belief until others, too, faced its hideous, uncontrollable menace. Attack of the 50-foot woman, incredibly huge, with incredible desires for love and vengeance. And welcome back, everybody, to the Cinema Recall Podcast. I'm the Vern, here with my guest, uh, Mike Destacio, a.k.a. The Hollywood Kid. We're going to talk about Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. As I mentioned before, uh, this was uh, came on 1958, and it is directed by Nathan Giron, written by Mark Hanna. And the cast includes... Um, I'm with the, I'm gonna, I know we're going to mess with the names here. Uh, Allison Hayes, William Hudson... Yvette Vickers, uh, Rory Gordon, uh, George Douglas, a few other people on there. And the story of Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, uh, it deals with uh, this lady, Nancy Fowler Archer, who is married to this man named Harry Archer, who's having an affair with Honey Parker. And in the beginning of the movie, uh, Nancy is driving, and she sees like this giant white ball in the middle of the road and she is scared and she goes to the sheriff uh, who is played by George Douglas. He doesn't believe her. Uh, Everyone thinks that she's drunk. We find out later on that she had some mental conditions and was in an institution. And she's married to this guy William Hudson, who I said before is having an affair uh, with Yvette Victor's character of Honey Parker. Um, and she's just trying to get anyone to believe in her, her and her husband find out where the space thing is, the glowing globe. She gets infected by it, and it turns her into a giant woman. Um, now I know you have seen this movie before. This is my first time watching it. Um... Let me ask you about your first time seeing this movie, and you know what were your, what was your reaction to it? 
Um, the first time I was introduced to this movie, uh, Vern, I'm not sure if you watched Fenguli on Saturday nights. No, I have not. Okay, that's that'd be a good. That's a really good. It'd be Saturday night on MeTV, eight uh, o'clock Eastern time. Um, and what he does, he does like a macabre, like an Elvira type of deal. And he plays like a lot of B movies and, and does a really, really good job. And he's got a huge following. He's at a lot of conventions. His name's Fenguli. Anyways, um, but he aired it one night and I'm, I'm a movie geek. Anything black and white, I'm, that's me. I'm not a modern day movie kind of guy, but I am, but I'm really not. But I love the older classic stuff. But I, that's where I initially got introduced to this movie. And I sat on the couch and I watched and I says, you know what? This is really not bad. It's corny, of course. A lot of it's corny, but, it, it, you know. We're dealing. We're talking about 1958, not you know, not 2020. And um, it was a decent movie. It's a good acting, I thought. And so, I mean, Allison Hayes. Uh, for your audience who does not know who Allison Hayes was, she is simply stunning for her day. She was stunning, beautiful woman. Um, and she played a, de- a good role, in my opinion. In the, I, I love the plot. And again, corny movie, but. B movies are great if you're a fan of B movies, like a Roger Corman type of movie. These are great. Yeah, here's what I love the best about her performance and her character, especially in the time that it's set in, because she is a woman who no man actually believes. And here's the weird thing too: like all the men in this town, they seem to be covering for one marcher. There's like the one top. Who has to tell yeah. another cop that, oh, he drove home in a cab. So everyone's kind of like covering for his infidelity. So I felt like her role in this is just kind of like women kind of getting pissed off that men are getting away with stuff. And you combine that uh, with the alien technology, that's how, she able, that's how she's able to get big and become giant. But I think that's just her rage just right. building to a boiling point, and she's and like, I'm not going to take this stuff anymore, and I'm going to basically destroy everything that you men have created. And right. especially during that time, because that was even before any type of women's, you know, liberation moments that have happened. And, and, and if I can add a disclaimer to this, to this interview, if you're going to watch this film, make sure you have a, plenty of alcohol in the house. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, it, it, it like you say, she she does play the rich woman in the neighborhood in the town. She pays all the taxes and all the bills for the town, so they're like, yeah, just let her go, dude, let her go. But um, she you know she does she traveling down the road in a beautiful convertible, and she sees that sphere come out of nowhere, that white light coming at coming at her, and then some guy from the you know uh, some baldy as they call it from the movie The Wanderers. Uh, comes out of nowhere and he, you know, with the big, all you see is the hand. All you see is the hand going at her. And now uh, she, like you said, she runs back to town and nobody believes her because she's an alcoholic and she's got mental issues. And, you know, so the the hilarity ensues, I guess. Yeah. I just like the whole, I mean, even the fact that when she is with her uh, husband, Harry Archer, uh, she knows that he's been fooling around with this honey character and she is distraught and hurt, but she's also a person that doesn't want to be left alone. Um, I think the big turning point for her is that she convinces Harry to go out to, you know, find this orb 
and when they do find it and she's attached again, Harry runs off. Oh, classic. And that for me is like a great turning point for her. She's like, well, I can't really rely on anyone. Um, and then she comes back. Uh, I do find the character of Harry to be great and I kind of like villainous role. Um, in fact, I could almost see him and the honey character playing schemes on other people. Right. If they right. did escape. You know, if they're, if they're involved in this caper, they would be involved in something else. Uh, the movie almost has like kind of like a, almost like a film noir kind of style to it. Um, especially if you took this movie and just kind of did it from like Harry's perspective of like him being married to this woman who just seemed like a shrewd to him and had mental issues. You could have done this whole movie from his persona and he meets this other girl and they're going to try to escape with their money. In the diamond. Has, with, yeah, with that, uh, the diamond of India, you could have just totally turned this into like a, a film noir where they're trying to, you know, make one big last like heist scheme that goes bad. The, the funny thing is, like you said, when he, when he drives, when he leaves her there, um, and he, he drives back to town, he, he goes back home and starts packing a suitcase and he starts, he gets in a big brawl with the butler, played by Ken Terrell. He gets in a big beef with it with him, and then they fight and rolling. It was just, it's like this guy, he doesn't even tell her what happened to her. This guy wants to know what happened to her. I don't know. She's on the desert somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I find the whole thing weird, too, that he just started, like, packing right away to leave. <laughs> I mean, I know the cops are going to find I me. Mean, the cops find him at Honey's Place, her hotel, that he had her stashed up in. Like, right away, I'm like, what are you thinking? I mean, you kind of slept your wife out there, and you really think that you were going to escape that fast? Don't yeah, yeah. And he and got I, the, go ahead. I mean, wasn't that, like, his car or her car? I mean, I'm sure his name is probably registered to that car. I mean, they're married. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. he was a strange character. He, um, I love how he bounced up in the police ch- in the police, uh, uh, police station when they said he, She's alive? And he jumps up like, oh, crap, shit, she's alive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, well, I, you know, I was going to ask you, uh, like I said before, this is like my, my first time watching this movie. I remember the poster. I mean, the poster is like one of the most iconic yes, posters. Yes. Of yeah, like, the iconic poster really is. Of like all time. It's brilliant. Um, I did notice when I watched it, and maybe it was my TV, maybe I was watching the high-definition version of it, but I noticed on my TV set when um, Allison Haynes' character of Nancy becomes giant, she almost becomes somewhat, like, translucent in a way, and that sort of, like, matches, you know, what that uh, big giant male creature from the big white spear, he almost seemed to be kind of translucent yeah, as well. Right. Uh, and that's almost, it almost felt like she was almost like a big giant ghost. It didn't seem like she was like this all and ever to force. And I know with the technology back then, yeah, uh, yeah, things yeah, changed yeah. there. But I will admire a lot of, like, the practical effects that went into this movie. Like, uh, when you just see her hand in her bedroom and the whole house 
get like oh. raised up. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of my favorite scenes, to be honest with you, Vern. Um, when they got her chained to the bed somehow, somehow I don't who knows how they yeah, did. No. <laughs> She's in her gigantic stage. It wasn't like she was a you know, normal size. Mm. And uh, all you see is just a paper mache hand, you know, just shaking with a chain wrapped around it. And uh, and when she she wakes up. You know the doctor, Doctor Cushing. Uh, he's always give her more, more uh, morphine, more morphine, more morphine. It's like, how much can you give her? Yeah, yeah, you give her like a year supply of. Yeah, morphine yeah. To... we even get it. We even get that kind of supply. And I was, I'm, not, you know, I'm really kind of surprised that there was no press that early because you see the house uh, that both uh, her and Harry live in, and it's not that big <laughs> of a house. Yeah, how do they? How does she fit inside the house in a gigantic? It must have been a big bedroom. It must have been. I thought. I thought for sure, like her feet would be sticking out of the walls or something like that. Or when she starts having her kind of freak out when she's asking, like, "Where's Harry? Where's Harry?" And like the whole house is shaking. I'm surprised there was not like press or police just driving up there. Yeah, they always, right away. Call the sheriff. Call the sheriff. What's he gonna do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like <laughs> you're gonna see this big giant woman in the house. Um, but uh, I was gonna ask you about one of your other favorite moments in the movie because I've got some of mine. Um, geez, there's so many. Um, you know, just the, the husband role. Um, Harry, Harry's just like a complete jerk. Um, uh, you know, he just like I said, he leaves her out in the desert for dead, and just it's all about him. You know what I mean? It's all about him and, and, and Honey. He wants to just go away with Honey. And, um, you know, when they're shooting at the, at the when she's in a giant stage towards the end, you know, obviously there's no effect. But when when the other guy, with the baldy, the bald guy, earlier in the movie with the, the sphere guy there, um, the sheriff throws something. Was it a grenade? <laughs> a rock, yeah, I th- a rocket I'm not. But that had an effect. <laughs> it had an effect on the ghost. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but um, I mean, when when the when the the the, the, jet, the guy who picks up the vehicle and just destroys the car, and he takes he picks up the walkie-talkie and said, "Oh, it's dead. Let's walk back." Hello. Yeah, I'm still I'm still here. I'm still here. No, no, I mean, I mean, I'm like, hello. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> he's got the the transformer thing. Is like, the car was just demolished, and he's like, "Oh, we gotta walk," you know, to his sidekick there. Yeah. The only thing I had a problem with the movie is that it took a long time for Nancy to become, you know, the giant lady that she was. I mean, that only kind of happened in the last, like, 10, 15 minutes of the movie. And I kind of wanted more of that. Uh, Basically, what I was watching beforehand was, like I said before, kind of a noirish movie about a woman who has been double-crossed by her husband... And at a lot of times, from the people in her community, it's like the people in her community only liked her around because she had all this money and was like paying big taxes in the town. Um, but when people started to turn on her, like her husband, and I'm sure from that she discovered that other people in town were kind of covered up for her, uh, that's when she became like this enraged person this big giant woman uh but i kind of felt like her being a giant happened too late in the movie and i kind of wanted the element to be more of like 
the middle story. Right, I want her right, to be right. I mean, it's such a small town. They probably saved it for the end because she destroyed the town in two seconds. So you know, what I mean? but, but it was probably a budget reason why they couldn't really keep it throughout the middle, from the middle to the ending, maybe. But um, I'm assuming. But you're right, though. She only had a little bit part as the giant. We only saw her for like maybe two minutes, not even. And um, you know, and I love the I love the reaction by by Doctor Cushing when when she broke out of the chains. It, she broke out of the chains, and the nurse goes, "She's loose." And the doctor goes, "Astounding growth." It's like, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah you, I mean, are you not paying attention? You know, just funny. <laughs> <laughs> really, dude. But um, ah, uh, no, but I mean, but what what makes the movie still fun to watch is because you have really great characters setting it up. Like, I'm not just waiting for her to grow. I'm actually kind of really invested with the story. I mean, even the villains with uh, Harry and Honey, uh, I'm kind of interested, like, are they going to get away with it or not? You know, are they... Because I think there's a, there was a plan to, I guess, uh, have her overdose Yeah, 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 yeah. drug yeah. to kill her right away. I'm like, ooh, that's going to be kind of, like, kind of intense thing. So now my focus is on those characters. Like, in the beginning of the movie... You have me focused on Nancy and her um, meeting up with the big giant orb. And then you show us her husband kind of fooling around with this other woman. And so when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to do a whole plot, like a character switch, kind of like, the, like what they did with like Psycho. And you concentrate on one character and it switches to another. So I found that element to be really kind of cool. So I was engaging in that story about uh, Harry and Honey. Uh, trying to get away with their diamond that I almost forgot about uh, the whole title of the movie, which is The Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, which I think is kind of a, a brilliant thing um, that writers and director, the writer of this, uh, Mark Hanna, and director Nathan Juron really did with this feature. It's kind of like subvert expectations and make me think of one other story. Maybe ignore the main story and have me concentrate on the smaller story. I found that to be kind of a very fascinating and interesting part about this whole movie. I mean, in a lot of ways, I felt bad for for um, for Nancy Archer, you know, because the husband, you know, she was up laying, laying in bed, and she was sick, and she was always depressed. That's why she drank. And he's at the bar room over there dancing, having a great time. He, he brushes this, the deputy off, like, get away from me. You know, get out and care about it. I don't care about Nancy. Forget her about it. She's having a, she's, he's enjoying his life while the poor thing who's supporting him is, you know, bedridden. Um, so I, in a way, in some ways, I felt bad for her and I was pulling for her. And, uh, but it's climactic at the end, obviously. But, um, you know, you got to be have an open mind when you're watching a movie like this. Um, you know, it's like watching a movie about gigantic ants taking over the world. Um, so you have to be open minded a little bit. It's a lot of fun, though. It's a fun movie, and I, I enjoy it. If it's on, like I said, this Fanguli, I'll watch it again because I, I, I love it. I love these kind of movies, and yeah, that's just me. I'm a movie geek. Now, I'll, I'll ask you this, Mike. Have you seen the 93 remake with Gerald Hanna? No, I, I don't believe I did. I may have. It vaguely ring, rings a bell. Um, I didn't see it. Did you see it? No, I, it was an HBO right. like original movie. And I thought it was funny, too, because it was uh, directed by Christopher Guest, uh, one of the people from Spinal Tap, and he did, like, Best in Show and Waiting for Goffman. He has done, like, a whole bunch of, like, these mockumentaries movies. That's what he's mainly known for. So I'm kind of curious to see him do, uh, like, kind of a narrative feature 
Um, they, for this, uh, they've, been, they've been talking. I mean, from what I've read, they've been talking about making more remakes of this movie down the road. And you know, we, you know, we, when you see the movie, you're going to be like, "Wow, it, it's a little on the silly side." But for its time, it made money. It actually made money for the studio. You know, the budget was like eighty nine, ninety thousand dollars, and it made almost five hundred thousand. That's a lot of money back in nineteen fifty eight. Oh, I, I can imagine. You know, being around at that time, and I fa- I think now, I mean, we just had a remake of The Invisible Man that did good box office, and I can imagine a remake of this. If you find like uh, a good uh, woman screenwriter and director, you could actually get some a lot of good issues going on now to remake this movie and have it be kind of a big blockbuster. Uh, tenpole. Uh, but I want them to do maybe like a different story. I just don't want them to remake the same type of story that this had. I want them to do something different. That's what I'm kind of curious about watching the 93 version because that was like nearly 20 years ago and a lot of things have changed in our, our cultural climate. So I'd be just kind of curious to see how things changed from like the 50s to the 90s uh, to what they're doing now. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's a lot more deeper deeper storyline and a lot more dialogue and then maybe some more characters involved. I'm sure that they make a tentpole, um, you know, that's what keeps a lot of studios going nowadays is their tentpole movies so they can, you know, budget a lot of the smaller independent movies. And um, I, I would love them to do, to do a remake and um, maybe like a Tim Burton type of guy, you know? Oh, yeah, he, he could be good. Um you know, I'm I'm thinking even someone like uh, Denis Villeneuve could do. I'm I'm just trying to think of like really good like a Christopher Nolan movie maybe might yeah, be good. Yeah. Um. Or get the uh, I forgot the lady's name. Uh, she directed Monster and Wonder Woman. Uh, oh get yeah, her. yeah. Oh crap. Yeah. No, I know. I know what you're talking about. Nan- Nan- oh gosh, Nancy's something here. It's gonna like really irritate me right now. Yeah. Uh. Patty, Jen- Patty Jenkins. Yeah, exactly. Patty Jenkins. Correct. Get, get her to do that. Um, I don't know. Get some of these other uh, independent women to dread like uh, a big feature of this. The Social Sisters could possibly do it. Uh, Anna Biller could possibly do it as well. Um, the Russo brothers, if, maybe. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't know if you saw the movie The Love Witch. Uh, no. Uh, Anna Biller... Uh, she made this movie called The Love Witch, and it looks like an early 70s, late 60s feature. I mean, the costume design, the settings, everything. She's kind of shot this thing for, by herself, and it kind of looks like an older movie. And even her older, like, shorts and black and white, they kind of look like 1950s features, and she's a big fan other types of genres, and so she would be kind of a good fit to remake this for a modern audience, but still has some of that sensibilities from films in the past. Yeah, well, so, what, but a Tarantino would be phenomenal. Oh, Tarantino, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Imagine him, because he's a big fan of he's a big fan of the old classics himself. Oh yeah, he would definitely be going for that. Uh, I don't, I don't even know who I would want to see in the new version. Ooh, you'd have to get a very voluptuous woman. You know, like Yo, Selma yeah. Hayek. You get your Selma Hayek in that 50-foot woman. Ooh. Oh, Selma Hayek. Oh, oh yes. Uh, 
I believe you know the character who plays Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be fun. I mean, it would, would be fun to see a remake on because that's a lot of days. Another studios that that's what they're doing nowadays. A lot of TV show remakes, a lot of game show remakes, a lot of obviously feature remakes. Um, so it would be interesting, but. And I'm I'm usually against the ideas of remakes because they're remaking stuff from like about five years ago. And it's not had time to get order, but I think Attack of the Fifty Women could have a chance yeah, to yeah, it, yeah. be remade, especially in our new culture and everything like that. Um, well, I don't know if you have anything more to say about Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman. Um, I I mentioned before that I think it's a great movie of its time that still kind of matches some of the problems that women are facing of today's time. Right. Um, and, you know, well, some interesting side notes to this uh, movie, Vern. Um, Frank Chase, who played the deputy, is actually the brother, the, the older brother of Barry Chase, uh, actress. She was all, she was uh, Sylvester's girlfriend in my favorite movie of all time, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Uh, she was the girl dancing with the sun. I don't know if you've ever seen It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World. Uh, I believe it was 62 or 63. I have not. Oh my goodness! That has all the best comedians of their time. Buddy, Hack, uh, Buddy, yeah, that Buddy Hackett. Everybody's in there. Jack Benny, Jerry Lewis. Uh, they have cameos in it. Uh, Sid Caesar has a big role. All the great comedians of the '60s, '50s, and '60s are in it. Three Stooges have a cameo. Uh, somebody, really? Yeah, it's a fan. 1962. It's on Turner Classics every once in a while. Um, okay. I mean, I, I saw the remake of that movie, Cannibal Run. Oh, Cannibal Run, it's it's actually it's a different storyline, but it, it the, the you know I understand what they did with the cast. They tried to get a lot of yeah, like, you know obviously Burt Reynolds, Don DeLuise are in that, uh, Dean Martin's in that, Sammy Davis. But it's sort of on the same lines. But it's a great storyline. It's a great great storyline in my opinion. Um, but yeah, he's a, he was the he was the older brother of Barry Chase. If you see the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And, and Allison Hayes, I mean, who played Nancy Archer. I mean, what an interesting, sad life that she had. She died so young, and she, she she supposedly had leukemia, from what I've read, and her doctor was prescribing her with calcium supplements, and they were laced with lead, and she basically died of lead poisoning at such a young age. Oh. Yeah, yeah, she died in um, 1977. She was very young. For I mean, and uh, so sad, because I went to look her up as soon as I saw the movie for the first time. Maybe I can get her on my show. Because that's what I do. I, when I see, when I watch an old classic film, I usually go on IMDb and see if I can see if anybody's alive. Maybe I can grab one of them, you know, because they maybe want to tell their story about the golden age of Hollywood. And you know, they're more than happy to come on, um, because not too many people are calling, you know, knocking on their door per se. And um, I don't know if you heard the story about Yvette Vickers who played Holly. Honey, honey, sorry, she played Honey on the on, in the film. It's um, uh, Tiger the Fifty Foot Woman. Did you hear about her? How she died? No, what happened? Oh, my goodness. She actually died, and she had a long life. She died in 2010, okay? She was a she was a reclusive woman. She was a recluse, and um, she alienated herself from her from her, her immediate family, and um, she just became a recluse, like like Howard Hughes type of guy in her house in uh, Benedict Canyon Drive, a very exclusive neighborhood, and um, she was just kept to herself, and she didn't want her neighbors to bother her or anybody knocking on the door. And she would go to conventions from time to time, but she, then she started getting some uh, mentally ill. Like she would, she thought people were stalking her. Like if there was a car pulling in front of her house or across the street, she would call the police, and she'd go out there and say, "You're stalking me. Leave me alone." And 
she thought everybody was stalking her. So she was losing it. And um, so one day, her neighbor, which was an actress, I forget her name, her name was Susan, I, think, I want to say Wagner. Um, she lived in the neighborhood, and she knew her from time to time. And she saw her mail built up in her mailbox, and it was like, you know, yellow pages on the all over the, the porch and things like that. And she knocked on the door, and nobody answered, and the door was open, and she creeped in. It's almost like psycho. And she walked in. And she's calling her name, and she was, like, on the couch or on a chair somewhere. She was dead. But the kicker is she was mummified. What? She was been dead for over a year. The, the, the coroner said she may have been dead for over a year because nobody associated with her. She didn't want anybody associating with her. If you look it up, it's it's sad. It's a sad story. But, um, yeah, she, she was actually in the Playboy. She was actually in Playboy, I believe, in 1958 or 59. Yeah, she was in oh, the- I- I didn't believe that after seeing this movie. Right yeah, there. I'm like, oh. She was a Playmate of the Month in July of 1959 for your audience out there. She was beautiful along the lines of Allison Hayes type of woman. And, um, yeah, they found her dead. The whole thing made itself sort of weird is the fact that she was found mummified. Yeah. And that almost seems to be like you had to have someone else do that. So I don't know if it was like one of her butlers or something like that. Like... That could be a movie in and of itself, right there. Yeah, yeah. It's a. It's, when I read that, I was like, "Holy mackerel! Holy shit!" <laughs> yeah, but that, that was that's insane. And uh, and that for, and to circle back to the movie at the ending, real quick, um, the scene where she, with the fifty foot woman Nancy rips the you know she rips the, the roof off the the bar room or whatever. From what I've read, of course, there was a a beam that almost took her head off. In one of the scenes, Jeez. yeah, the, the the nail came like so close to her face, and if you look at the, because I, I was paying attention last the other night when I watched it, and she's like, you know, if you see her laying on the floor, they said she's dead, and if you see it prior to that, she's almost like, you know, squinching a little bit with her eyes, like, you know, because she, she can't open, obviously she can't open her eyes because she's supposed to be dead, and um, yeah, yeah, it's there's so many back scene back you know things to know about in these movies. That's what I love. When you really start oh, digging, when you really start mining pretty deep into these these fifties and sixties sci-fi movies, you really start to read some really wild stuff. Well, I mean, it's probably a, it's sad what you know happened to her later, and also what happened to her on set. But then I realized, well, during that time, they probably didn't have much of like a, a stunt people during those movies. I'm sure they had, they did have a stunt. But it wasn't, I don't think to the 50s, early 60s, uh, stunts, actors, or performers had their own union. Yeah, and like, if like, they an had OSHA, to, like an OSHA type of thing. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that the director didn't maybe didn't want to like pay for it, but he thought, hey, I'm going to set up everything, everything's going to be fine, I'm going to set up the shots, everything should be fine, nothing should hurt her, and then when it does, because stuff can possibly go wrong, yeah. so... This actress, uh, she kind of she did death once before, um, but yeah, what happened to her later on is just freaking creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. It's creepy shit. And um, Allison Hayes, who actually she she also appeared in a Dean Martin film, uh, Who's Been Sleeping in Bed, nineteen sixty three. Her last film appearance was with was with the King himself, El- Elvis Presley, in nineteen sixty five, Tickle Me. So uh, that was her that was her <laughs> last film. So she was probably on her way to become a pretty decent actress, a very you know, a busy actress, but unfortunately she had 
throughout the day, when I read, throughout the 60s, she had a lot of health issues, and uh, it's too bad. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, even actors known for just doing one role, that is also a good thing, too. I mean, if she's only known for this movie, that's not necessarily bad a bad thing, because she's still trying to go down in history of just being, and I'm sure, like, other actresses who, you know, end up, like, playing her, or I'm sure she has inspired other female actors and characters of taking on this type of role before. So, yeah, I'd say who's her on that, as well as the other actors and actresses in this movie, um, I found to be quite fun. I mentioned the only thing I did not like about it was it just took too long for the 50-foot winner to just, you know. (laughs) But everything else leading up to it, it's really good. I still think that you could probably watch it today and still bring in a lot of, like, elements of um, women, and I'm not trying to do a good job of trying to, you know, represent women and whatnot in this, uh, but I still think that it's a very well-established movie about a woman just brought to her breaking point. Yeah, a woman's and... scorn, and, uh, and the irony of all ironies is she finally got, at the end, she finally gets Harry all to herself, and uh, it's pretty, yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, that's what she always wanted right there, which I guess is kind of an odd thing to because Harry treated her like shit throughout the whole entire <laughs> oh. movie, and yet she still loves him. You know, I guess I want to see more about their relationship, like what made her fall in love with him at first. I mean, was he just using her the whole time? I imagine he was using her the whole time, just to get close to her diamond. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, and a fifty million dollar estate. Yeah. The so like I said before, it's a good, fun little movie, and I can take an elements. Uh, about women from now till back then, and it still works very well. Uh, special effects may seem dated, but that's okay because you got really great, strong performances. And to me, I will forgive a movie right, that right. does have those special effects like that if you have actual good performances. Yeah, um, yeah, if your audience out there they want to see it, it's actually on Amazon Prime, it's on YouTube. I think it costs like two bucks or three bucks to get it. And uh, I, I rented it on Voodoo. What is it, Voodoo? Voodoo, yeah. Was it free? V-U, no, V-U-D-U, it's like three bucks. Oh, yeah, that's what I paid, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah it's one of the greats, and it's a lot long, longer the lines of the other classic films. I mean, the other... You know, the, the Amazing Colossal Man, the War of the Colossal Beast, the Incredible Shrinking Man. Um, you know, these are sort of much on the same storylines. And um, they're a lot of fun. There is an audience for these these movies out there. A lot of these conventions out there nowadays, there is an audience for these type, type of things. And, you know, a lot of the actors that I go after on my podcast, um, you know, they're so happy just to do an interview. Um, because nobody's actually called on them in a long time. And they're very gracious with their time, and I'm very appreciative. And there's so many of them out there. And if you start digging deep, you'd be so surprised. And I reach out through Facebook. I reach out any, any, you know, any avenue I can. And um, you'd be surprised at the answers you get. There's responses when you tell them, I'd love to have you on as a guest, blah, 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 blah. And they really, I had George Shakiris on it. George Shakiris, uh, 
he played uh, Fernando. Mike, Mike could be wrong. He played. He had the lead role in West Side Story, and he won. He really won the Oscar. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's fun. I had Mo Green on. Mo Green from The Godfather. Well, uh, I, I I love what you're doing, Mike. Uh, trying to doing all these old starlets and whatnot. Because uh, I hear a lot of people now with the whole Corona outbreak, they're going, you know what, I can't do any more movie reviews anymore. I'm kind of right. done with movies. Right. I'm like, you idiot. There's like a whole hundred years of cinema that you could go and look at and review. Don't just cover just new releases. That's why I'm so happy that you had me talk about Attack of the 50 Foot Woman and now it's going to get me into... Other movies, like you mentioned before, the uh, Colossal Man, other B movies of the 50s and 60s that I'm definitely going to try and cover uh, for our series. Cause we're just covering like, a whole bunch of like uh, cult movies, and I've been doing a lot of recent ones uh, from back uh, from my youth, but now I'm going to just try and look back at other movies as well. And I urge our listeners to definitely check out Mike's YouTube channel. Uh, you said you had a podcast? Yeah, the podcast, is, it's actually airs uh, today at 2 o'clock. Actually, well, we, this will be on in a couple weeks. But um, it is, airs every Saturday. I put the link up on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, there's another one I use, uh, Spotify, iHeart. It's called you know, Real Talk with the Hollywood Kid. Usually at 3 o'clock on Saturday, there's a link because it airs on the radio here in Boston. And then after the show ends, that we get the link and we throw it all over social media. So it's on a okay. it's on a timer at three o'clock Eastern time every Saturday. The shows go live; they go live on social media. Okay. And, and the response has been great, but um, I appreciate you taking the time to put me on. And I'm a big movie geek, and I really appreciate talking. In a lot of these old B movies, Vern, on Amazon Prime for your audience who have you can if you go on Amazon Prime and just type in like B movies, you get like a hundred, two hundred, three hundred. Old classic movies with the old posters, and they're fantastic. And Netflix is getting away from it, from what I'm hearing, because they don't really have a big selection. But Amazon Prime is the one if you really want to get into these kinds of types of movies. They really have a good library. Well, that too, and also the Criterion Channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're back now, right? Yes, they are. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, they have a great, great library as well. But uh, yeah, my podcast is. You can follow me on Facebook at Mike Destacio. We have a uh, Facebook page for our show. It's got Real Talk with the Hollywood Kid. Just type search uh, Real Talk with the Hollywood Kid. And um, like I say, like I said, Burns, it's like you. It's a, it's a labor of love for me. I'm very passionate about it. I've had, I mean, I've had almost every, everybody I can even, I'm almost running out of people from this genre of the 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, so it's very difficult to come up with guests. Um, you know, obviously, the, the, old, the younger kids that are popular right now, you can't really get any of them. They won't even get back to you. But it's like I say, it's, it's my show is a unique, it's a niche, and um, that's what we do. We've had everybody. I mean, Henry Darrow, Michael Dante, Tom Driesen, Frank Stallone, Hank Garrett, Mike Starr, Charlotte Ray, Joyce Randolph came on my show. I looked her up in the phone book and I called her and she answered. Imagine that. Oh no, that's I couldn't believe it. I I called every one of them, every Joyce Randolph, and then I narrowed it down. She has a middle initial V, so I I typed in V. And holy crap, I, she said hello. And as soon as I heard the voice, I said, oh, my God, that's her. And she was great. Again, she's like nine, in her 90s. She's just sitting around the house. She doesn't get out much. And, um, you know, they're more than happy to give you their time. I might, that's, I've, that's what I found out. You know, that you, you kind of tapped into something 
that a lot of people are not really doing because they want to try and focus on you know whatever's hip and trending right now. So I I found that to be just very kind of fascinating. You are going to be my new like movie expert. Yeah, yeah. I'm, All right. I'm a classic movie expert because classic movie expert. That's true. Anything, we, we need more. Anything after 1980, Vern. I, I, I apologize, but I'm not your guy. <laughs> Our class, we need more classic movie experts, all right? So I'm yeah, very yeah. happy to be associated with you. Definitely urge all our listeners to check out my YouTube page, uh, his podcast, his radio show. Um, as for Cinema Recall, uh, we will be back uh, basically next week or so. Uh, plan on having more episodes and more guests coming up here. Um, I'm not quite sure what our next episode is going to be, but it's going to be on another favorite cult movie. As for me, recently I uh, was a guest on the Parkway Theater podcast. Talking with Matt had a really fun episode just about how the whole coronavirus is affecting movies being postponed and about how that affects the box office. Really fun episode. Head on over to theparkwaytheater.com to hear that full episode. They're available, I believe, on Spotify and I believe like iTunes, Apple Podcast. Uh, just go to that website, theparkwaytheater.com. Uh, buy gift certificates for the theaters, uh, really help them out. They're uh, an incredible theater, and you can hear me praise that theater on that episode. Uh, but yeah, check it out. It should be available. Uh, it should be available now as this episode is up. If you want to find out more about the shows that we do, head on over to our social media pages. Um, on Twitter, we're at cinema underscore recall. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, just type in Cinema Recall Podcast. I always uh, tease what our upcoming episodes are going to be and what our guests are going to be on that show. So definitely head on to those sites. Email us your ad spots at to our email, which is cinemarecall at gmail.com. Um, we're available on most podcast platforms such as Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, um, Spotify, most of others. Just in your little search bar, just type in Cinema Recall Podcast. Um, hope you're all having a great day, and we will talk to you soon.